I'm pretty excited. Hey, we start a new series next week called Take Captive, and uh, it's going to be about the war that's going on between these ears and uh, the million thoughts that's running through our dome right now, right? And uh, dude, I'm telling you, uh, I've done a lot of crying with this stuff here. It's been really powerful and really good, and I think uh, it's going to be really a literal breakthrough for a lot of us. Take Captive starts next week. And this is the last week in the series that we've been doing called Tuned In. And uh, this series that we've been doing, if you've not been here, it's basically about hearing God's voice. Hearing God's voice to a lot of people is like a riddle. It's like, uh, I've never heard God speak to me. And they think that God's voice sounds like Charles Heston or, uh, or uh, James Earl Jones, right? Uh, you know, and like, it's, it's not like that. Listen, God is speaking to all of us. Jesus said that my sheep know me and they know my voice and they follow me. If you are following the Lord, it's because you've heard his voice. You've heard the call of God to say, I love you. I have a plan for your life. I want you to know that every one of us is supposed to be hearing God's voice on a daily basis, not weekly, not monthly. If we are following the Lord, we should be hearing his voice. And so I don't want to complicate it to make it as simple as possible. My objective was to try to teach us five words that we can learn to identify. The way I make it, I wanted to kind of break this down is like if you wanted to Some of us don't know music, but you can learn a single chord musically. And if you can learn a chord, you can learn to hear that chord. It'd be the same as learning a new language. Could I teach you five words in Portuguese? Could I teach you five words in Chinese? And those words will go a long ways. Uh, You know, when you go to Nicaragua a couple months ago, I said, son, there's one word you're going to need to know. It's called baños. All my, you know, right? All, it's bathroom, right? And you're like, hey, I got to go baños. Yeah, yeah, this way. Come on, gringo. And, uh, and they'll take you over this way. And so um, it's important for you to learn certain words and to learn that God is speaking to you will mature you so much in your faith because it's important for you to remember this. God is not dead. He is alive. And if you have relationship with him, Communication has to be happening, even if it's on the most simple forms. So there's five things that we, um, I've, uh, we, we've said four already. I'm going to teach you the fifth word today. But I'm gonna, there's a, a, a short sermon that I have that's kind of outside of this series that I'm going to insert as a recap for the series. Here you go. It's in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And I believe that this identifies with a lot of us in our lives. It says this, Jesus... Uh, and his disciples were on their way, and, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had to say. But Martha, listen to this, I'm going to stop on verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and she asked, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left all the work for me to do by myself? I don't know if you can relate to this. I have have little children, and I can think of back when I was a little kid. You know, I would always be tattling on my siblings, you know. Mom, it's not fair. I've got to do, I've got to clean my whole room. And my brother gets to watch cartoons, you know. It's like, it's not fair, and I, I hear this all the time. It's not fair. I have so much work to do. She's doing nothing. You don't realize this, but you're doing this at work right now. <laughs> you don't realize this. You're doing this everywhere you're going. You're looking at other people, what they're not doing and what you're doing, and it doesn't seem 
fair. Uh, and so check this out. Verse 41, Martha, Mar this blew me away. There's a lot of people today that are struggling with anxiety, that are overwhelmed right now. And listen to what Jesus says to her in 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. You're worried and you're upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You're worried about many things, but only few things are needed. In fact, only one. You're worried about many things. What I think, what makes me frustrated about this story is Martha was worried about a lot of things for Jesus, she had Jesus in her house. She wanted things to be perfect. She had a reason to be upset. And she's frustrated that her sister is doing nothing while she is overwhelmed trying to make sure that every, all the details are right. Some people have OCD in this room. Anyone? Everything has to be just right. And Jesus is looking at Mary and, she's, and he's saying, hey, look, Mary, Martha, you have to calm down. You're worried about a lot of things. But there's not a lot of things that need to be done. In fact, there's really only one thing that matters today. What I'm thinking about in this story is, is that there's a lot of people in this church that are trying to do a lot of things. And in fact, you're trying to do a lot of great things. You're trying to do a lot of great things for God. But not all those great things need to be done. In fact, they don't all need to be done right now. Well, there's only one thing that needs to be done. And that's sit at the feet of Jesus. And so today I'm going to teach you a new word that is not what Mary is doing. In fact, it's a lot of what Martha is doing. But it's important that you understand that the new word I'm going to teach you today is task-driven. But all of the four words prior were relationship-driven. Because that's what matters most to Jesus. Before I teach you the new word, a lot of us in society today are task driven. We can't, it's hard for us to slow everything down and sit and look at the person in front of us. And so when we think about this story, Jesus is saying, hey, look, what's most important? Remember the four words we did? That you would come here and sit with me because this is good. And there's a lot of things that you could be doing that is bad, but I want you to wait here. Come, good, no, wait. These are the four things that we said are pretty imperative to developing an understanding of walking with God. If you're here today and you want to serve Jesus, I believe with all of my heart that he is speaking to you. If you don't hear his voice, it will be difficult for your relationship with God. You can hear God's voice if you tune in. God should be saying to you on Tuesday afternoon, come here. He should be saying to you, that thing you just did, that's good. Do more of that. That's good for our relationship. He should be saying to you, that is bad. That is harmful to our relationship. Don't do that. There is something in your life right now that God is saying, wait for. The answer isn't yes to everything under the sun. I'm going to teach you a new word today. And it, so all of this series is about learning uh, to grow spiritually. We've all been born again. So we are spiritual babies learning to grow. 
All of our parents taught us how to come here. They all taught us what is good. They all taught us no, and they all taught us wait. I'm teaching you the fifth word today, and that is when God says go. You all learned the word go. Go to your room, right? <laughs> go get my phone. Go, go, go get a cordless phone. Remember when we had those things laying around the house? You had to be old for those things, I guess. Uh, go get, uh, go get the, the vacuum, go get the mail, go get, go to the grocery store and get this and go clean your room. And to everything, there was a question What I was thinking about this weekend is some of the gifts that we've been given. What if you received an awesome message and you never shared it? What I was thinking about it is there are a lot of people with all of this series tuned in has been about music. So we've been able to say, you can hear the key of G or you can learn timing and make music sound better. What if you heard a beautiful song and you never shared it? You didn't go anywhere with it. Wouldn't it be awful if some of the greatest songs ever written never were shared? I thought this week, I, I was with some friends on a boat this week and I heard one of my favorite songs that I haven't heard in years. I wanted to sing it with you this morning. Any of you guys remember the song? It's a good song. I think you guys will like it. Anyone know the song, Three Little Birds, by, by Bobby Marley? Come on. Singing no worries. Come on, sing it with me. About a thing. Because every little thing is going to be all right. Singing don't worry. I can't sing at all. About a thing. Listen, what if that song was never shared? What a great song. Like, I don't care who you are. If you don't like that song, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> that is a good song. And, uh, and everything's going to be all right. And so I was just thinking, what if these great things that people have heard were never shared? There's a word that I'm going to teach you today that's imperative that you learn how to share. It's the word go. God is going to tell you to go at some point in your life. The Lord does this with every one of his children. He will tell them to go. Your parents taught you to go, and the Lord will teach you to go. It will happen. If he is not telling you to go, you're not maturing. Because every parent that believes that their kid can do a job, they give them the task of going to clean their room. I want you to unload the dishwasher. Now, there will be moments where you feel like you can't, but you can. And the Lord will tell you to go. And if you aren't, then you need to tune in to the Lord. Because from what my Bible says, he has told us all that we are the light of the world. Amen. And from what I read in the scripture, he said to the disciples, go into all the nations to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son. He wants us to preach the gospel everywhere. And as I'm looking into scripture, God, who all did you send? Who all did you say go to? Well, let, me, let me show you a few people. Uh, I realize that the Lord told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel. And Jonah says, I ain't doing that, Jack. Yeah, it ended really good for Jonah, didn't it? It's this whale, you know, and it was just terrible. He told Abraham, I want you to climb that mountain and I want you to take your son up there. 
I want you to go, Abraham, with your boy. And it changed Abraham's life and it changed all of our lives because he obeyed God and he became the father of many, 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 many nations. And his ancestors became as numerous as the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky, because he obeyed God when he said, go. God is telling you to go. The apostle Paul he told him to go after he, was, he, rece- he received Christ and he was blinded. He fell off a horse. He told him to go and look for this other guy to find discipleship. And then he told him to wait there. And the Lord would, sp- it's funny, all five things uh, that we're, we've taught in this series, God spoke to the apostle Paul during his salvation. I thought it was pretty cool to wait here for three years. To, and it was like super rad. Anyways, he told him to go on three different missionary journeys. He, uh, the, the, the Esther, she sent him, the Lord, Lord sent her to go to the king. As I go down the list, Jeremiah, fire shut up in his bones and he, was, he had to preach the gospel to the nation of Israel. He had to go, he had to go. He said, fire shut up in his bones. God, I can't contain it, I gotta go. Daniel, he had a message for the king. Moses He had to go up the mountain and he had to go down the mountain and he had to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. He had to go. God is sending you. Will you go? Elisha, Joshua, to go over the other side of the river to overcome Jericho, David, to fight Goliath. God said, go, you gotta go. He said, go, you gotta go. Two thirds of the word God is at some point in your life. You're going to have to spiritually grow up to the point where he can trust you with a mission, with a task, with a message, with a hope, with a burden. God is sending you, and I want you to grow up to be legitimate children. You would identify the heart of your father and become a messenger and become a man and woman of God. Does this make sense so far? At some point in your life, if you are growing, you've already known what's good. You already know when to wait. At some point, you have to know, that's my job. Yes, God, I will go for you. Didn't he tell that Isaiah? Who will go for me? Here I am, Lord, send me. Well, I thought of a couple cool stories. There was a cool story where Jesus looked at his 12 disciples and he said, all right, uh, I need one of you guys uh, to go down to the, to the sea and I need you to f- fish the first fish that you get out of the lake. There's gonna be some money in his mouth. I want you to take that money out of the fish's mouth and pay our taxes with it. How many of you wanna be able to hear God like that? Sweet Jesus, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's a promotion if I've ever heard one and uh, like the Powerball is calling my name, Lord. Just tell me the numbers. Uh, I was thinking of this. Here's a cool story in Luke chapter 19, verse 30 through 33. Go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. (laughs) Those who sent ahead went and found just as he told them. Can you imagine uh, being that the Lord would just say, hey, I want you to go down to Publix. There's going to be a red SUV over there. I just want you to go down there, get that SUV, and bring it back. And if anyone stops, you just say, pastor sent me. He said it was good. It's not good? 
It's not good. Okay. Listen, uh, it's important that you understand that the Lord is sending you. Uh, the Lord is sending you. Let me read you one more story that's important for you to hear. Judges chapter 6, verse 11 through 16. I believe you're going to find yourself in this story, some of you. I'm calling you to rise up. This is my son's favorite Bible story. Then the angel of the Lord came to him, and he sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizar. Gideon, the son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress, and he hid the grain from the Mennonites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said this. Let me stop, just, just stop here. What's happening is uh, there's a great war that's rising up against the people of Israel, and the people of Israel are terrified. They're terrified. They're scared for their lives. And, I, and it's not many times that we feel a, a sense of, of worry or fear. I remember uh, just a couple weeks, months ago, uh, it was like North Korea had, was like going to launch a nuclear bomb. And everyone was like, oh, man, any minute. And there was a little bit of worry. Can you imagine actually see the army marching in your neighborhood? There was panic. And this guy, Gideon, was hiding from the armies. And he's hiding his goods and his valuable resources and an angel of the Lord came to him, and he said this to him, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Let me stop there. I love, love, love that God looks at you and calls out of you what you can't see in yourself. Here's a guy who is hiding, and God looks at him and says, You are mighty warrior. You're a mighty man of God. Some of you today are struggling with shame. It may be from sin. And God looks at you and says, you are my beloved. You're my son and my daughter. Rise up. Some of you are struggling with fear, feeling like you're not good enough or you don't have enough. And the Lord would look at you with, a different, with another message. It says, you are more than enough. You are mighty in God. You're, you can do more things. And I, I think inside of ourselves, we can't see who we are, but the Lord has the ability to call it out of us. Today, he's looking at Gideon, and he says, mighty warrior. I love it. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And so, and sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all of this happened to us? Where are the miracles that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say that the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us, and he's handed us over to the Midianites? I love this, and I'm praying this right now over my own life, in my own church. I want to see miracle signs and wonders in our church. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see finances come back to those that are faithful. I want to see diseases broken off, folks, and, and anxiety broken off, and worry broken off, and I want to see great things happen here among us. Am I the only one? God, where are the miracles? But the Lord said, then the Lord turned to him, go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest of the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. When I hear this story, it's the same story that, that Moses had. It's the same story that everyone seems to have when God calls them. They look around and go, who, me? Who, me? Moses goes, I, I, I can't go, Lord. I'm, I, I can't even speak. Lord, I have a speech impediment. You're going to send me to, to stand in front of the king over Pharaoh and declare, let my people go? 
you got to send someone else. There's got to be a time in the body of Christ where you believe not in you, but in him, he that is within you. We are mighty in God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. There's got to be a time when you say, if God sends me, I can go. I don't need you to be confident in you. I need you to be confident in him. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you believe that God is alive? Do you believe that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Then go. So many of us, Gideon is looking at the, at the Lord and he's saying, I'm the weakest. I can't even tell you how many times someone from our church has called me and said, hey, pastor, um, I'm standing here with my friend. Can you tell him what, what, what you told me this Sunday in church? Oh, and you uh, think, that thing about the, you know, that one point you made, can you just say that again? No! <laughs> Listen, I'm not that anointed. You are just as anointed as I am. We have the same God living inside me that's living in you. Please be anointed. Receive the call of God like he's speaking to you. He likes you. He wants to use you and he is sending you. Go, 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 go. And I, I know that some of you are like, man, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not good at this. Um, I love this story. Um, the first point that I want to make to you is that God is going to say to you, go. The second point that I'm going to make to you today is that when God says go, he does it without any details. It's really funny. Um, uh, some people, I love when some people, like, they want to prophesy, and they start prophesying, and they prophesy for, like, seven minutes, eight minutes, ten minutes. This last week, someone prophesied over our church, and it was so cool. They, they had three sentences. Actually, we've had a few words. Uh, today, someone said that it's for, spirit, it's, it's, it's for freedom that God set us free. Um, and uh, today, last week, someone prophesied right here. It was actually during the service. The gentleman actually had to go. He had a board meeting, and he left right in the middle of the service. It was really funny. And some people were like, oh, maybe he hates what preacher's saying. Maybe he does. I don't know. But he had, a, he had a word for our church, and he said this. I think you guys, it would be good for you to hear it. He said um, that, um, that the Lord is pleased uh, with us that we are on the right track and that the Lord is in this place. And then what was really neat was Rachel uh, changed songs right then and the band changed songs and, and they say, the Lord is in this place. I was like, oh, dang, that's really awesome, man. And I was like, yeah, I'm a worship dude. And uh, I started going crazy. I was like, I love it. The Lord is pleased with us. We are on the right track and, um, and the Lord is in this place. And, uh, and that was the only word he gave us. Oftentimes, when the Lord gives a word, he does it without any details. Here's what I mean. When your parents, when you were six, and they told you to go upstairs and clean your room, they didn't explain how to clean your room. They just said, go and do it. I know that you can do it. Go clean your room. And you're looking at yourself going, I don't know how. Mike could take out the trash. Oh, I don't know how. I can't do it. Well, you can you will <laughs> go take out the trash. There's a part of growing up and a responsibility, and the Lord's not going to give you all the details. I'm going to show you. In the same story of Gideon, on the next chapter, I was reading chapter 6, chapter 7, what happens is, is Gideon does, in fact, rise up. 
And he does what the angel says. He goes and he gets all the clans together. And he's about to go to war against over 120,000 people. And the army that he has is like 10,000 people. The numbers don't look really good in Gideon's favor. All that he can muster up is not a lot of people. And the Lord says, hey, Gideon, we have a problem. Yeah, Gideon's like, yes, we do, Jack. And uh, he's like, you have too many people to go to war today. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and he says, I want you to take half of those people and get rid of them. He strips his number from 10,000 down to like 1,000 people. And then the Lord says, send them all down to the lake to get water. They go down to the lake and they start drinking water from the lake. And he says, everyone that's using their hands to drink water and not just using their mouth, if they're using their hands, send them home. And the Lord ends up using 300 people to go to war. Now, if the Lord had told Gideon that message when he was still hiding in the thing, he probably would have just stayed there. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to send me to war with 300, 300 people. Listen, when God gives you a message, he doesn't give you all the details. Look, Jesus is walking on water. And the, the disciples are freaking out of their mind. And they say, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. The Lord only answered with one word. He didn't tell Peter how to walk on water. He didn't give him like, like a whole doctrine and full instructions and blueprints and, and like a theology to learn as he walks on water. He only said one word. It was the word that we taught you in week one. Does anyone know the word with us? Come, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on water. When God gives you a word, he often doesn't give you any details. Hey, I want you to write a check and give it to that family. Yeah, but God, I've got like bills to pay. I've like, I really have this like dream. I'm going to get this new car. I want, there's these new shoes. They're super sweet. They have the Nike swoosh on it. Like God, if I give, then I can't, you know, and God's not going to give you any more details other than give. Just do it. But, but I, I see that family right there. I want you to go over to them and I, I want you to tell them that I love them. And oftentimes when he gives you a word, and it's go, the only word you know is to go. And now you're here and you have no idea what to do. I want you to know the greatest thing, the greatest message that you have is love. I've, I've, I've gone to some of the darkest places in the world to preach the gospel. I've been to Mardi Gras. It is the worst. Uh, and I've gone multiple times, like five, six times. I've gone to, to spring break, to, to Daytona Beach spring break, and uh, the worst things are happening all around me. I've been to Ebor, and we've preached, and we've preached, and we've preached in some of the worst places in the world. And the people that have gone with me that know how to share the gospel are the worst ones at it. Here's what I mean. There's no right way to love somebody. When you know all the words to say, there's no, there's, there's no affection involved in it. You're not burdened for the person. It's better for you to just stand there and go, all I know is God loves you. That's it. That's the gospel. Just go. I, but you're like, I don't know what to say. Perfect. You are the right one. Gideon says, but God, I'm the least in all of my family and even in my tribe. We're the worst. You're picking the worst of the worst. 
Yes, because his spirit is made perfect in your weakness. The very fact that you don't know what to say makes you the perfect person for God's resurrected power to move through you. He wouldn't get glory if he used someone that was great at it. It's the fact that you're not great at it that's going to make him look so much better because he used you. <laughs> like God's like, who can I pick? Who's the, who's the worst one here? Perfect. I'm going to show all of my strength through you. And all you have to do is go. Or you can stand there and argue and say, God, I'm not ready. I'm not qualified. I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough theology. I don't know enough doctrine. I don't have the Romans road memorized. It's the path to salvation. It's, I, I don't, I, I'm not ready to go. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough time. It's perfect. And the worst thing that can be happening is that you are not tuned in to God's voice because you're too busy. Remember Martha had too many tasks going on that she was overwhelmed and missed what mattered most. The Lord wants you to bring people to come. And that's it. You don't have to know anything other than God loves you. He has a, I believe God has a plan for you. Oh, you don't understand. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what's going on. You're right. I, I don't. But I, I, I know that he can do anything. And I know that he cares. That's all you got to know is that he can and that he is. Will you go? Here's my third and last point here today. The first point is when God says go, he often does it without any details. He's not going to tell you how to do it. He's just going to tell you to go. To give, to love, and to go. Does this make sense to anyone? Yeah. Yeah. This is what happens as you get older. Your parents give you more tasks. If you are in fact growing in Christ, I've prayed so much about this, and so I, I, I don't believe that this is heresy. It's hard to act like I know that I know that I know what I'm talking about because I'm talking on behalf of God. But if you don't hear the word go at any point in your life, are you the light of the world? Are you the salt of the earth? If salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. We have to tune in again to hear the heart of God, to recognize what's happening in the hearts of people around us. When you walk through the cashier's line, when you see that person that's checking you out, look into her eyes and her heart. And if you see hurt, remind them of hope. You are the light of the world. Go into all the Walmarts and preach the good news. Go into every Applebee's and love your waitresses. This is biblical. There are people that is bring, God's going to bring them right to you. Sometimes you don't even have to pull over. They're right in front of you. Does this make sense? First one, God says go. The second one, without any details. And the third one is to remind you that you have a purpose. It's one of the 
most awful things that I know happens in unbelievers is there's an apathy in them and a hopelessness and a lack of what do I do on this earth? What am I called to do? Listen, the light of the world is a glorious responsibility because we live in a world that doesn't have hope. They're so angry at the government. They're so angry at the police or first responders. People are angry at everyone in this world, and it's all because they don't know hope. They don't know the responsibility and the purpose that's been given to them through the love of God. You have a message of life and truth and freedom and resurrection power. You have a purpose. The Spirit of Christ compels us, the Bible says. Do you feel compelled to go? Because if you don't feel compelled, you're not tuned in to what our Savior and our Shepherd is saying. Eternity is a purpose. I'm not trying to get to heaven alone. I got to bring as many people as I can with me. I got to bring as many people as I can with me. You have a purpose. It's an eternal purpose. And some of you are bored. And some of you are stressed out. And some of you are worried about a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. There is a heavenly calling to reach God's sons and daughters that he loves just as much as he loves you. There is people that are drowning themselves in alcohol, drowning themselves in pills, throwing themselves as many people as they can to sleep with, to fill a void. And there's a calling, calling out to them. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And you have a message that God has begun inside of you. You have a purpose. Would you say this with me? I am God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. Say it again. I am God's masterpiece. You know, what's funny is how many times we can read the Bible and not believe it. So you've got you've to, like, this has got to be you. This was written not for Pastor Tim today, but this was written for you. Will you read this verse here? This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and it says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us a new, meaning we were born again, meaning we were infants again for a reason in Christ Jesus. So we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. Long ago, God planned to send you. Long ago, God planned to send you. Will you go? First thing God's going to say to you is come here. Then he's going to say, this is good. And this is good. And this is good. And this is good. And this is good for us. It's good for our relationship. This is good. It brings, it will cultivate our relationship. And then he's going to say, this is not good for our relationship. This hurts me. Don't do this. And then he's going to say, some things are worth waiting for. Just wait, 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 wait. Slow down, wait. And then God's going to say, go. Because there's some things that I planned for you long ago. You need to remember this. There are people in your life that you work next to. There are people in your family that I'll never meet. 
and you are the only Jesus that they will ever see in their life. And God has placed you specifically to have that job that you hate so you can work in that cubicle next to someone who is miserable about everything in their life so you can bring them hope. And he planned it a long time ago that you would have this job that you hate for a reason. To love the hell out of someone. Here's the last point. Check this out. Exodus chapter 9. Moses told the Lord every reason why he couldn't go and do something for Jesus. And this was what the Lord told Moses in Exodus chapter 9. But I have raised you up for this very purpose. That I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. What if his spirit is perfect in your weakness? What if he called you because you're not good enough, but you're obedient? And what if God's resurrection power can do something great through you? What if God can really truly tell someone that he loves them through you? Something happens when a kid grows up. They start learning responsibility. I think one of the greatest things that you can learn is that you are the salt and the light of this world. And that it's your responsibility to go with a message that's beyond you. When you really grow up, you start hearing, who will go for me? Listen, people, I hear this all the time. I'm, I'm gonna close with this. Deb, would you come? I hear this all the time. Man, there's too many churches in Lakeland. No, there's not. If there are still people go, dying and going to hell, there are not too many churches. People need Jesus. Look, there's a seat, there's a seat, there's a seat, there's a seat, there's a seat. We ain't doing that good yet. Last week we did great. This We got to bring some folks to hear Jesus, man. We need more churches. We need more Jesus. We need more God's spirit moving throughout Lakeland. There's still people dying and going to hell. Amen.